Good heavens, it's the Bobcast. Welcome to episode 45 with me, your host, Bob Evans. I also go by the name Kevin Mitchell. Thanks for tuning in once again. Welcome. Make yourselves at home. Um, hope you're all doing well out there. Uh, I have recently back got, got back in the saddle playing shows again. Um, so, yeah, I was in Brisbane last weekend to play a gig up in a, uh, up in Ipswich. Um, so it was wonderful to, um, okay, even, even like just getting on a plane again, uh, just a, a sense of a normal working life, uh, was wonderful to experience for the first time in pretty much 12 months. Um, uh, and uh, Jeb and I did a gig in Adelaide, uh, the week before that as well. So, um, dipped my toe back in the water on both, uh, both sides of, uh, of, of my musical life, um, and yeah, it feels really good. So hopefully there'll be plenty more to come. Although it's clear that that's the phone ringing. I don't know who you are, so please stop calling me. I don't know who you are, so please stop calling me. That's the song that I, uh, that's the song that I've made up to go with, um, my phone ring when I look at the number and it's, uh, one that I cannot identify. Anyway, where was, I? <laughs> where was I? I probably, I should have turned my phone off. How rude of me. My apologies. Um, so yes, so hopefully there'll be lots uh, more shows this year. But I know it's going to be a real roller coaster of a year. Um, I've, I'm accepting of that. Um, but you know, we'll plow on ahead regardless. Um, I'm going to be releasing a, the next single from my as yet to be released new album, Tomorrowland. So my album's coming out in April. Um, Born Yesterday was the first single that came out back in uh, November. And yes, in a in a couple of couple of weeks, um, the next single's coming out, so that's exciting for me. I hope it's exciting for some of you as well. Don't forget, you can email me at goodevansbobcast at gmail dot com, um, and you can also find the soundtrack to this podcast on Spotify. It's called Good Evans. It's a Bobcast soundtrack. Um, if you're sort of floating around in, in that general area of iTunes or whatever. I'd love it if you could rate a review, rate and review uh, this podcast if you've been enjoying it. If you hate it, then please don't review it. Just stop listening to it. Um, and once again, there is swearing in this episode, just like every other one. Don't listen to it with kids. That would be a bit silly, wouldn't it? Um, and why would a kid want to listen to this anyway? Um, all right, so on to episode 45, uh, and this one, I catch up with my good friend Cameron Baines, who is the lead singer of the band Body Jar. Um, known Cam for a long time now. Uh, Jebediah and Body Jar started playing shows together in the late 90s. Um, we do, we've done many, t- we've done tours, we've been on many, many festival bills together um, over the 20-plus years. So, um, yeah, so it's great to kind of uh, be able to chat to Cam. We did it over Zoom. Um, there was a bit of a delay, which I, I sort of tried to um, edit out, so I hope that all sounds good for you. Um, but, yeah, great talking to Cam. He's a, he's a great guy. All those guys in Body Jar uh, are good friends, good buddies. We always um, have fun hanging out with them. Um, Cam's got some really <laughs> genuinely hilarious stories that he tells. Um, I He had me laughing quite a lot, actually, in this episode. 
Um, so I, I hope that you that you enjoy it. Um, there's some great, yes, just some great, great stories, some great yarns, mate. Just some top yarns. Um, so yes, I hope you enjoy it. Um, let's get into it now. This is episode number forty-five with Cameron Baines from Body Jar on Good Evans. It's a Bobcast. Welcome to the Bobcast, Cam Baines. How you doing? Good, thanks, mate. Thank you for having me on your Bobcast. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Um, we caught up recently in Adelaide at a festival that uh, Jebs and Body Jar That's were right. playing at. Um, was that the first gig for you guys since everything went to shit? Yeah. Or had well, you played another one? No, I think that was it. Everything went to shit at the end of February, right? I think we played a gig with you at a winery or something. At, um, oh, yeah, of course. Yes. That's right. And then the next night we did another show in a pub nearby, or probably an hour's drive from there. Okay. Um, with, with Gyroscope. And then we flew back. And I think even on our flight, I remember um, my wife telling me that someone on our flight had COVID and we were lucky that we didn't. Oh, really? Yeah. And that was like the first... You know, the first reports were coming in of people, you know, flying from Perth and and even the flight after us had someone on it as well on the same day. So, um, wow. so I remember that. But yeah, that was the last time we played. So, it's been, you know, what, is that six or eight months or something or 10 months or yeah, a long it's time. Low, yeah, it'd be like 10, 11 months because yeah, like, so it was the very last weekend of February that festival. Oh, and, yeah, um, so it's nearly been a whole year. Yeah, it's crazy. And I think it was... I remember it being the weekend of March, like twelfth, thirteenth, when lockdown started happening. When everything started getting cancelled, basically. Yeah, yeah, totally, mate. What a strange year, and it's just been such a weird Ugh. psychological, mental fuck. You know what I mean? So, how yeah. have you, how have you managed through that time? Um, I, well, I was lucky; I could get stuck into work pretty heavily because I've got a little skate shop over here, and I'm. You know, and um, and I live right near it, and we weren't allowed to open for a long time, but we were allowed to to use do the web store and do click and collect, and that got really busy, I guess, because there was no team sports, and you know, people were trying to work out ways they could exercise without coming in contact with each other, and skateboarding sort of went through a bit of a boom, and we we were really busy <laughs> during that period, so we uh, that's great, yeah, it was lucky, it was just lucky, and um. So I, 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 I was really busy with work and, um, and you know, I've got a couple of kids as well, a five-year-old and a two-year-old. So we were trying to educate the five-year-old at home, which was always, mm. which is a bit of a challenge. But, um, but yeah, it was a bit of a struggle, man. Um, how about yourself? Did you uh, go through all that stuff as well? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, listeners to the podcast will, will have, uh, oh, will yeah. know well. Um, yeah. But yeah, I... I did the homeschooling thing too, I think. So I'm I'm in Ocean Grove. You're in Melbourne. So our restrictions, you, you know, you had it a little bit tougher than us. When yeah. Here in we we didn't have the five kilometer radius thing. Oh yeah, that's are. right. Cool. That's um, good. Which you guys had, which would yeah. have been 
would have been pretty rough. Um, um, I think, I guess that's, I suppose that was really the main difference. But yeah, school, I think maybe schools, I might have had to do like just a little bit, a, f- a few weeks, maybe less homeschooling than you guys did as well. Yeah. Maybe schools might have. Yep. Got back um, a bit earlier or something like that. Yeah. I was just going to say kids don't, you know. I think they really missed the social aspect of school. Our 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 yeah. child did, you know. So she started going a bit crazy towards the end. We had to sort of, <laughs> you know, like really make sure we we took her out for exercise and all that sort of stuff. You know what I mean? I guess it's it's a boring conversation, but um, that was the toughest thing about lockdown. You know, what was the understanding that your kids had of what was happening, and and were they were they sort of accepting of it, or did they did they struggle to kind of come to terms with what was going on? I think Marley, she's a five-year-old. She's six now. She she understood it, and she got really into um, uh, disinfecting things and wiping things down and, like, <laughs> and, and washing her hands and stuff, which has been was good because it's really hard, really hard to get her to do that before coronavirus. Now yeah. she's and it's even now like she'll just be lying on the bed or something watching TV and she'll just run off quickly and I go, "What are you doing?" She's like, "Washing my hands," you know, like so she's, <laughs> she's got she's starting to get a little bit sort of. Uh, <laughs> she's been pretty heavily affected by that um you know she's obsessive compulsive disorder a little bit which her dad has a little bit as well so i'm trying to like, i'm trying to work on <laughs> i'm trying to work i'm trying to work on that a little bit uh, but you know it is what it is yeah my youngest ivy so she's uh seven now um and yeah she's the same like she was already quite a prodigious hand washer before oh, it really? started so, yeah, really? so i i think she was kind of she was already totally trained up and ready to go yeah, um, yeah. and she's also and she's also quite shy and and you know like yeah, yeah. um like likes to keep her social distance from people yeah. anyway so i think she's i think she was ready to go <laughs> she, she was pretty much she already had the technique down she just had a reason yeah. a re- more of a reason to do it now yeah it's funny how some kids are really onto it you know and, and some are yeah. you know but uh, I think in Melbourne it was just drummed into your head because like Daniel Andrews was having these every day you know every day we were in lockdown there oh, would be a press conference at 11 o'clock and everyone would watch it it was a religious thing you know and some people were like he's a, he's a fascist Nazi trying to shut down business and other people were like he's doing the right thing you know it was just two sides of the argument he just couldn't please everyone you know what I mean but I think he did a pretty good job you know, you got us back to where we are now. Thank God. Yeah, I, I found I found that period of time where the, with those press conferences, those daily ones, uh, it it got ridiculous. Like the yeah the the question the, the questioning and the the way that yeah it was so heavily politicised um, and often from people outside of Victoria too. Who yeah. you know, just- it just felt like they were coming in and sort of tr- just trying to kind of throw a fucking hand grenade in the middle of That's, everything yeah you know? i know was, i know it's like it was very unhelpful and the way some journalists were trying to trying yeah. to get him to slip up and there was a lot of political point scoring mm. from like bloody liberal um some local liberal mps that was sort of encouraging shops to open yeah. encouraging shops to open do you know what i mean and helping them pay the fine just to do it like stupid shit like that like i hate that i mean the yeah. guy's obviously he doesn't want to shut down victoria does he He's trying to save bloody lives. You know, give the guy a hand, you know. That's what I, that's, that's yeah. what I was sort of thinking. You know, my mum's in care, you know, so I was pretty concerned about like when it started getting into, uh, you know, 
elderly places and you know elderly care and all that sort of thing when it sort of started going through those i was like whoa you know it's getting pretty gnarly now but uh luckily luckily it was uh she was she's safe and everything now but um that's when it was at its lowest when we were getting 700 new cases a day and all that and you know Mm. scary shit but you know hopefully we're through the worst of it so your mum your mum's in aged care is she at the moment yeah she's in aged care she's um She's, you know, bipolar and um, she's got a few uh, mental health issues, I guess, that sort of probably went undiagnosed when she was younger. Yeah. Uh, and then with old age, like she would be in her mid-70s now, I think. She, uh, it all came to light and, you know, and so she needs some, She needs 24-hour care. You yeah. Know? She's, uh, you know, she's got clinical paranoia and a few other things like that. My dad's still, my, my dad's like 83 and he's still fine. He's still rebuilding cars and like he's got his... He's shit together, but he's too old to look after mum. Yeah, right. So yeah, she's been in care for for a couple of years now, but she's still she's still pretty healthy. Like she's still up and about. You know, you visit her a couple of times a week, and she's she's she can still talk and that. She just has these weird moments where she she thinks she's somewhere else, like in her childhood home or right. like or in, a, in at a holiday home. She just thinks she's there. It's it's bizarre, but you know, I think she's still lit you know leading a sort of happy life anyway you know she seems to be so um yeah it is it's just the way the way she is i guess and they didn't have any um they didn't have any uh issues at that aged care home yeah they did have one they did have one um i think someone passed away from it i think uh. And um and then they and then they went into lockdown and they tested everyone i remember we weren't allowed to visit for a long time and then when we did because we had to wear like the rubber gloves and the full face shield yeah. and, a, and a gown sort wow. of thing, and sit in, sit in a special room and stuff. And yeah, she really went downhill in that time too, just from not being able to see uh, people. I think, yeah, not having, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But um, it's a strange little situation in those those little those homes, especially the ones that are for people that have you know men- mental health issues. Yeah. Strange little sort of bu- bubbles. They already are really weird, and then when Corona hit, it got even more weird. Yeah, you know what I mean. So. But anyway, it's uh, it's all good now. Yeah, you can, I can go and visit whenever I like now, so it's fine. Yeah. And um, yeah. and how about with Body Jar? How with the band? How have you um, what have you kind of done over the last during all those periods period of lockdown? And has the band did, did the oh. band just kind of go on? Did the band just get put on ice for a while, or did you find ways to kind of do stuff? Or well, we 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 we'd just been through a, a member change because Grano. Um, he's no longer in the band, as you probably yeah. know, because we've played gigs with you and Nick, Nick on the bass. And um, but that was before that. And then when Corona hit, we were working on the new record. We, we were just jamming and trying to write new songs, you know, coming up with a few ideas at the jam. And and then we we decided to do the album like, okay, let's let's not do demos because I always find you do demos and you capture this sort of really good energy, and then you try and re-record yeah. it, and it always sounds like a bit dull, yeah. duller or dumber. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, that's like always a problem. What do they call it? Like, it's de- demoitis. Yeah. <laughs> we, we could never make make the original, like the, the album sound as good or have, have the same energy. I don't know if it's just me because it's the first time you've heard the song recorded or something, but I always thought, fuck, the album just doesn't sound as exciting as the demo. So we just thought we'll have a jam and we'll, we'll get the arrangement right and record it on like an iPhone and then that's the demo. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, yeah. Won't, we won't go to a studio and do a demo and like we yep. used to do. Like we... On EMI, I remember spending probably ten grand on just demos. You know, oh my god, going goodness. to hot, hot house, going to hot house to do demos. You know, yeah. But right. uh, 
So this time we just did that and we thought we'd do four at a time. And we, we got up to, um, we'd done eight. And then the lockdown happened and we weren't allowed to, for some reason, studios weren't allowed to, to open. It was a bizarre little category they, they all fitted into, which they weren't allowed to even go there by themselves to mix things in Victoria. Really? Yeah, wow. Yeah. There was this weird artist category and they weren't allowed. So Sammy Johnson, who's been producing the record, he's done tons of like really good stuff, but um, he wasn't allowed to even go in there and finish off some of our mixes or anything, you know? So, so we were sort of just stuck. Is that because the, the, the artists or musicians or whatever are deemed as non-essential workers, maybe? <laughs> yeah, I reckon. How does that, how does that make you feel? You're not essential. I know. Like, society, <laughs> society would be fine without you. Just go away for a little while. But he, you know, he was doing, trying to do stuff at home and, you know. But they, it was a weird category because it, even going to the studio by yourself, surely that's allowed, you know. But he used, to, he used to, yeah, he tried to drive there a couple of times and got pulled up by the cops and they said, where are you going? And like, nah, you're not allowed to go there. So I think, I think there was a little bit of, I think they fucked that up, whatever the, the policy was, that wasn't fair. So anyway, we were supposed to have the album out by August, September and we were going to do a big tour and that didn't happen. So now the album's nearly, like I'm going there today and tomorrow to try and finish the guitars and, and you know. But the band sort of, yeah, obviously got put on ice except for recording and, um, and I guess everyone got into, as you guys, you know, I don't know if you guys do it too, but you, you get, you send each other ideas and like we had, um, we just constantly got these Dropbox links going back and forth and yeah, yeah. bits bits and pieces, and but it never really comes to light until you, to your jam. But um, like we've been going to the, to the studio with these half baked ideas kind of thing, you know, with not really the arrangement and then working it out while we're there, you know, yeah. well, ev- everyone's there. And we just work, we never used to do that, but now we just work out the arrangement. And Wacker, luckily our drummer Shane, is really good. He has a fucking great memory as far as you know changing bits and and moving bits around. And he's just got a really good like he's a good session. He could be a good session guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, he just remembers how to you know you can change. Oh, we want to move that bit and put it there. So luckily he's pretty good at that. So once we get the drums down, it's just a matter of going in there. You can even do it one by one to do you put your part down. And- yeah, yeah, totally. It sounds like with the Dropbox thing and sharing ideas, that's, you know, you're able to kind of maintain some momentum even when you're not able to get together, which is really cool. Jeb and I don't do that. Um, so when we yeah. don't see each other for months and months, you know, momentum is completely lost and you have uh-huh. to start all over again. But yeah, yeah, right. We are kind of the same in that when we've been working in the studio, we have, we've been pretty much, we did a bunch of, we did like three a couple of years ago, we did like a, just three or four days of just writing together, yeah, yeah, and just and just just recording everything that we jammed, you know. That's cool. And then just picked out picked out the best bits and um, started turning them into songs. But mostly, we're just kind of writing on the spot and making yeah. a record up on the spot, which is something that you know years ago when we were younger, we never would have done because we didn't have the confidence or um, yeah. Or just you know the attitude. Or, yeah, we were just it would yeah. have just seemed way too risky. We wouldn't yeah. have been able to back ourselves, you know. Same. Um, same. Whereas now it just doesn't. Now we don't feel the same amount of pressure, and we also um, have a you know we also have that belief, I guess, that yeah you know we can yeah we can um, come up with stuff on the spot, and it's going to sound exciting because we're yeah. capturing it as it happens. You yeah, know? yeah, I think so too. I think 
I don't know. I mean, you guys weren't so much, but I think we were probably guilty of overthinking everything a bit too much when we were a bit younger. You know what I mean? Like, we would just fucking try five different choruses, you know? <laughs> like, okay. Probably, and then probably go back to the first one. You know what I mean? Like, just wasting, wasting time and, and just being way too fucking careful. And I think just having that bit more spontaneous vibe, you know? And then, and you guys must realize, I mean, how many fuck. Oh, shit. That's right, I can still hear you. I've just lost your, lost your visual. Hang on. There you I, go. You're back. A, for a, uh, for a second was, there, you, you turned into this like little <laughs> sort of sil- silver. You were just a head and some shoulders. <laughs> there oh, you are. Shit. Just a little circle oh, and some shoulders. <laughs> someone tried to comment. Just a little circle and some shoulders. But uh, it must give you a bit of confidence though to... Uh, when I saw you guys the other night, well, just seeing the set that you guys were going to play and just how many goddamn hits you've got, like <laughs> the, you've written, you've written that many amazing songs. Surely you've got the confidence to go, yeah, we can, we can just do this, you know. Like, but even you know, oh man, there's some absolute corkers in there. But I, even I, sort of think, you know, we've done this before. Let's, yeah, you know, we can do this if we come up with something. Surely it, it just takes the ear to know what's good and what's not. You know what I mean? And what, what to throw away and what to keep and, you know, that sort of shit. It's all decision-making, isn't it? Yeah. How were you on... Um, so, how were you on gig day in Adelaide? So, you're playing, you're playing your first show in the, pretty much the same amount of time as we, as Jeb's. We were... Um, yeah. We, we were pretty nervous, but I found that um, pretty much by the second song, it all, everything just felt like normal again. <laughs> yeah. I was nervous just because of the setup, how everyone was in those little pens and, like, Yes. You know, it was kind of weird. I thought, oh, this is going to be like just playing a sound check or something. But it did have vibe. It did have vibe. It was cool. Like people were singing along and having their little dance in their little pen and putting their T-shirt, you know, their body jar T-shirt over the front. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there was a little bit of banter back and forth. People yelling shit at us. And I thought, that's cool. You know, it was a rad, rad gig. I really dug it. I just, I guess, I'm just not playing a gig for so long. It's just good to... It just felt good to be loud, play loud and, you know, mm. have a list of songs in front of you. And like, it just, I think it would have been good even if we had to play it in someone's backyard or in a garage or, you know. Yeah. It just just felt good. So, yeah, I thought I was really into it. And uh, and just good to go to another state. It must have been weird for you guys. Like, you can't even jam in the same room. Yeah, the setup for Jebediah was really, um, it was really strange because there's, you know, myself and Brett are at, in Victoria and uh, Ness and Chris are based in WA. So um, the rules for the West Australian folk who are currently just experiencing their first kind of hard lockdown as we yeah. speak. Um, yeah. So the rules for them were that um, they weren't allowed to, and I believe the technical term was mingle. <laughs> yeah, mingle. <laughs> weren't allowed to mingle <laughs> with the Victorians. Yeah. So there were, there were rules, you know, it's like in you weren't allowed to be in close proximity like within two meters or whatever for more than 15 minutes or something or if you were outdoors you were <laughs> allowed like a longer period of time. anyway there were all these kind of um rules and specifications and look uh, they i guess you know we laugh and make fun of them but uh, you know somebody's got to somebody's got to make a decision of like you know yeah you know, time, at least time and space and meters and all that kind of yeah, stuff that- so like, it does become a bit arbitrary or something but you know I, 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 you know, and it was cool. Like you guys stuck to it. I remember, 
I mean, you know, I really wanted to catch up with Chris. I tried to ring him the night before, I remember, just to see what the deal was. And then when I got there, he was behind a fence that said, do not come within 1.5 meters of this fence. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, like, all my my fantasies of like being at a festival and like say, and just being like a massive fucking band at a festival that's headlining. (laughs) And like yeah, you're yeah. separate, you know, you've got a separate area that's fenced off your own security and stuff. No one's allowed to come. No one's allowed yeah. to look at you. No one's allowed to look you yeah. in the eye. All oh, my preposterous rock and roll fantasies were like <laughs> yeah. suddenly. Yeah. Except yeah. I wasn't allowed in there either. I wasn't allowed. To- <laughs> I wasn't allowed, you're, you're allowed to go into my bedroom. <laughs> you weren't allowed to go into your own bedroom, but you're allowed to be on the same stage. But. I guess on stage, did you still have to stay away from each other a little bit? Like you couldn't, yeah. you know, you couldn't do the dueling guitar thing, you know, too close to Chris, you know, like the. That's true. All the cliches, yeah. A few of those cliches are out the window there, you know. It was funny though because moves. by the time we got on stage, because we'd turned up two days beforehand, so we spent two days in Adelaide rehearsing, and, yeah. and the way we the way we rehearsed was we had to rehearse in a recording studio where Chris mm-hmm. and Ness were in the control room. And Brett and I were in the live room of this recording studio, and so we were oh, in separate okay. rooms, just with a window right. between us. And we had yeah. to we had to use headphones and everything to. Yeah. Um, so it was a very. Do you have to have an engineer, process. like. Do you have to have an just engineer to set us up? Yeah, just to yeah, set yeah, us up yeah. at the yeah. start. Then, then he left. Okay. But um, so <laughs> by the time we got to the gig, it was day three, and you know what? I I think we'd all become gotten really used to it. Like, it yeah, just, yeah. I, I, without even thinking, if one of those guys, like, even, like, started to come towards me, I'd just sort of back off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? It's like a force field, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Without well, without even really, yeah, consciously kind of thinking, but I just sort of, uh, you know, I was just always thinking of, like, oh, yeah, just getting used to that idea of having to create a couple of metres of space at all times. Yeah, kind of second yeah. second nature. Yeah, totally. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's a crazy story, man. That's something you remember. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> For God's sakes. I mean, you're in the same van. I mean, the weird <laughs> thing was like, and with, with even with those little pens, is like they could have got out of their pen, the, the audience, and gone to get a drink or whatever and hung around with a couple hundred people up near the bar and then come back. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I guess yeah, it still but- helps, doesn't it? It still helps that you're not sweating over each other and stuff like that. But yeah, it seemed like, a little so- bit like, I was a bit like, is this just a, a perception thing, you know? Or is this mm. a, a real a real thing? But you know, it is. Did you see? Did you see inside the band room? Another funny memory from that gig was um, there was like a sign up in the band rooms, just of just some kind of do's and don'ts. Um, I guess. Oh yeah, um, which, I remember. Which isn't, which in itself isn't that unusual. You know, sometimes <laughs> you play gigs where there, there might be a rule where there's no glass on stage or, you know, yeah, or they might yeah. be requesting that you don't swear or stuff like that. So it's not yeah. that unusual. But there was one thing on this list that really fucked out that said, <laughs> please, please do not uh, poke fun or make jokes about the audience being animals, Animal- being farm oh, animals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no, no farm animal jokes. Apparently yeah. some... <laughs> I mean, I had about three or four of those lined up too, so... Yeah, I know. But, I was all ready to be going... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, piggies! But, yeah. <laughs> but, like, apparently that was because of some rapper who, who made a few derogatory uh, jokes oh, at the audience right. about that. Like, the you rappers look like sheep. Causing yeah. trouble. 
Because all the rappers. It's the rappers. <laughs> it's no longer the punks anymore, is it? That's the right. Rappers. No, the rappers. The rappers are the new punks. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, <laughs> I, I was thinking. Um, I was thinking just before chatting. Um, thinking back to my earliest memory of body drop, and I remembered what it was and it was before we met I saw you play and I was just I was trying to remember whether I was still in high school or not or if I'd just finished so it, it could, if it was it might have been 94 95 I, I can't remember oh yeah um, yeah but um, Chris and I went because uh, I it must have been an all ages show because I was still underage at that time yeah um, but it was at night which is unusual because normally those shows were during the afternoon at UWA Refectory um, and you were playing with Spider Bait um, I remember. I remember that gig. Yeah. Yep. Um, and uh, the girl, we went to the, the promoter of that show. Uh, was a guy named Paul Sloan. And yeah. You remember yep. him and his yes, daughter. Yes, I remember him. His we, me and Chris went to we went to school with his daughter in the same year at school, and she ah, was ah um, okay. She was working on the she was on the door collecting uh, tickets or whatever. So I think oh. we might have got in for free. Cool, cool, cool. Um. And so, yeah, so that's uh, my earliest yeah. memory of uh, watching watching Body Jar. I think you were, I guess there was would have been like a four-band bill. I'm, I, I'm guessing Spiderbait were headlining. I think it was Tumbleweed. Oh, Tumbleweed. I thought it was Tumbleweed. Yeah, right. It was Tumbleweed, Spiderbait, us, and someone played before us. I can't remember who. That would now. have been. Might have been a local band. I think it might have been Paul Sloan's band. Yeah, it could have been. <laughs> um, yeah, what were they called again? Uh, oh, yeah, I can't remember now, the, but uh, he used to do The Girl. Like stand up on his drum stool and then do the grab and oh, tuck. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> D- doing the doing yeah. the girl. But yes, I think. Um, but, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, tumbleweed. Okay, well that makes sense because because um, I I didn't. That was my f- the first time I'd heard of you guys. Um, but we were we were yeah, right. we were massive yeah. tumbleweed fans. So that would explain. Um, yeah. Beyond yeah. the fact that of getting free tickets while we were, <laughs> while we were there. Yes, that's awesome. I think it, yeah, I, I, he he was the first guy who ever brought us over there. I think um, Sloney. He, we did a couple of gigs at um, some venue that was in a big hotel just opposite Scarborough Beach. There. Oh yeah, the um, what's it called? Well, back then it might have been called Club Atlantis, maybe or it was Atlantis. Yeah, yeah. It was exactly yep. And I remember we were loading out after the gig. He had like an old ambulance That's that you right. could use as a as a as a tour van. And uh, we were loading out, and he was mining the van as we were carrying the gear out. And some junkie came up and started fucking with him. And wanted to fight him, and he grabbed, <laughs> he grabbed the drum. You know that thing that holds the toms that goes into the into the yeah. bass drum. That's like a big yes. ball with spikes yeah. in it. He grabbed, he grabbed that, and I came back, and he was fighting this guy oh, off. Geez. And the guy had punched him, and he called the cops. Oh, shit. The cops came and arrested this junkie. It was, it was gnarly. I was like, wow. That was that? like so. Th- this is Crazy in Scarborough place. in um, Perth in the early nineties. It was sketchy. It was really sketchy around there. Back yeah, at that time. Yeah, right. It's 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 awesome now. I mean, not I don't know. I've only been there a couple of nights, but last time we come and play that gig with you guys at the winery, we stayed in a hotel that was just just right near yeah. there. But it was an old seventies seventies hotel where Led Zeppelin stayed when they toured there. Ah, yeah. And it, and it had like a, a it had a pool and everything. It was awesome, man. And they hadn't changed it since yeah, then. Yeah, I know I that place. Yeah, it's cool. It's got a little bar. Like we saw Dave Graney play that night as yeah. well downstairs after the gig. Um, so it's got a little bar. It's got like um, a, a pool that you can sit by, and it's got these really old seventies hotel rooms. And I was just reading a book about Led Zeppelin at the time, about their manager Peter Grant, and they were talking about 
you know, this hotel. And they played to like 100,000 people or something at Subiaco Oval or something. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Or for, it was 40,000 yeah. or something like that. It was just crazy. And, um, and they got drug raided. As soon as they got there, the cops raided all their rooms and they were like, hey, we haven't even had a chance yeah, to yeah. score drugs yet. You know, you're not going to find anything. That's- it was like as soon as they got there, they got raided. He's like, we haven't even had a chance yet. That's kind of perfect. That's kind of like, oh, this is the best time for you to do this because we yeah. haven't even had a chance to get anything yet. Yeah, no, yeah. Great. Like, come on in. Come on in, guys. Come on yeah. in. Yeah. They just got off the plane and they were just uh, just asleep in their rooms. And yeah, it was fun. <laughs> anyway, I thought that was... That's such a cool hotel. Yeah, so they stayed at that. I know that... I'm sure I know the one that you... Um, the bar down below is called the... It's called the Indie Bar down below? Yeah, yeah. It's called the Indie Bar down below. And it's got so like... So it's also the Indian Ocean Hotel. Yeah, that's that's probably it. Yeah, I think that's it. And every balcony looks over the pool, and it's like really old. You know, you know those, yeah, those hotel yeah, rooms yeah. that have like two double beds next to each other and the wooden thing with the lights in it above your head. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I love that shit, man. I I, me, I just think that's, I just think it's cool. I just like it when it's you know, it's pretty low key like that. And um, I I agree. I've stayed at that place myself a couple of times. Um, have you? Yeah. For for. Yeah. For by cho- by choice, like just well, I yeah, think we were doing a gig- we were doing a gig in Scarborough, and I just wanted to be close to the gig, and I stayed there, and yeah, same. I absolutely, absolutely loved it for the same reasons. Yeah, yeah, I think it's just got some charm about it, and it's just, it's just tons of young dudes just running the joint. You know, it's young dudes doing everything. <laughs> it's like someone's just taking it over and gone right. We're just going to make this place cool, and, um, and <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's pretty rad. It's pretty rad. So tell me, um, tell me, tell me, Cam, um. So, growing up, I, I always sort of ask this question to kind of get into this. Um, growing up, did you did you grow up in a musical, what you would describe as a musical family? And, and what are your earliest memories of, like, really, of hearing music or, or, or really digging it, or having something click in oh, your yeah. head and go, oh, you know, this is something special? I think my, well, my brother and sister, I'm the youngest, so I've got a, a sister that's two years older than me and a brother that's five years older. And my brother was doing piano lessons. And I remember I, I used to go with my mum and drive him there and she'd wait out the front while he did his lesson, you know. And I used mm. to hear it, hear it and go, yeah, that's cool. But I wasn't really into the piano. And then my sister got into the piano as well. And so my sister's a singing teacher now. So she's really immersed in that oh, wow. thing. You know, she's been teaching singing for ages. But I listened, but I never really got into that sort of, I don't know, that formal kind of, you know, theory kind of vibe. But my brother and sister exposed me to music heaps. Like my my brother, I remember, I was really into like Jimmy Barnes and and ACDC and and you know Divinals and sort of that Oz rock. Like always yeah. listening to Triple M and all that, or what was called Eon FM back in the day. And that really, like, I really liked hearing that music, especially early Cold Chisel. I remember thinking how good it was. And my brother used to sing along to it, and he had a pretty good pretty good voice. I remember hearing him sing. I'm wow, he's pretty pretty good voice and um but then i never really i don't know i didn't pick it up until i started playing guitar in grade one and gave it up and then maybe in year seven i took it up again because um i started going to high school and ben Pedersen, who was our first guitarist was really into the guitar and i went and stayed at his house one night and he had a an, an electric guitar which i could not believe and he plugged it into his stereo <laughs> you know he could <laughs> yeah, plug yeah. it straight into his stereo like he didn't have an amp or yeah. anything and it was, I was like, like and he, he could play the Ramones Hootie Gurus Mid Old Oil he could play that shit I couldn't believe that he he knew how to play because I didn't know what a rock chord was or anything you know how when you first work yeah. out rock chords and you're like wow I can play anything now 
Yeah. Uh, I was just about to hit that stage and he'd already worked it out. And I was like, nah. and then he got a distortion pedal, like a, a OD1, like an overdrive pedal. And then I was like, fuck, I got to, I got to do this. I got to get this, you know? <laughs> so I got one too. And then we started a little band and jammed at lunchtimes at school. You know, we had a little drum kit, like the, the music room had a drum kit at school. So I guess I was a late, pretty late starter apart from like, you know, singing along with my sister or my brother or doing stupid shit like that that really didn't mean much, you know, when I was probably six or seven years old. Mm. Uh, I had singing lessons at one point, I remember, when I was in primary school that I didn't really like. Um, <laughs> and I just gave it up. Gave it up and um, I was into... As soon as I started skateboarding, I guess, that was that was when I gave up all that shit. And then, and then towards the end of... Um, maybe year eight, year nine, I, I sort of started playing guitar more than skating, you know? So, that were the two things that sort of dominated my brain in my sort of yeah. teen years. Um, yeah, it's interesting, like, that 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 sort of origin story. It's just, you know, it's, it's actually, you know, a really common thread for a lot of people that I speak to and myself yeah. included is that, um, you know, starting to... Like sort of having these experiences with maybe trying some instruments out and it not really, and just like not being yeah. interested. Maybe you're too, it's just too young and you don't want to practice or whatever. And but then like yeah. reaching that sort of thirteen start of teenage years, and you know meeting somebody who can play yeah. guitar or an instrument <laughs> and and being really inspired by that. Yeah, yeah. And then also you know at school the music room and sort yeah. Of, yeah, just kind of finding yeah finding your way that way. That's pretty much exactly how it happened for me as well, and it it's how it happens for a lot of people. quite a lot of people that I speak to. Yeah, I think it's because we're I don't know we're, we're lucky we get to go to schools that have that you know that music mm. music thing that probably a lot of schools back then wouldn't have had. But my school had a pretty good little music, so I was always around it, and I always heard kids playing, and so it was always sort of suggested to me, but uh, never really took off until oh. One guy really influenced me. I've got to mention this. His name was Lance Mool. And I still talk to him. And, yeah. and he's, I still know him. He used to mix this when we first started. But this is like back in year seven. He was a few years older than all of us. And we used to skate on the netball courts near Velvet's House shops, you know, every night. And he, he yeah. was older than us. And he had like one of those racer bikes, you know, like a, a, a bike, but it had motorbike handlebars. You know what I mean? It was, it was uh, bad. He was right, badass, yeah. right? And he had a fucking electric guitar. <laughs> Electric guitar strapped around his back with no case or anything, just riding that bike. <laughs> no shit. And like he would pull up and smoke a ciggy, you know, and I'd be like, what the fuck? You know, and he'd take the, he'd take the thing off his back and start playing songs like Eagle Rock and like, and a bit of Metallica and like, and he had long hair. He's a bit of a bogan. He's fucking cool. And, and he was actually a good dude. He let me play. He showed me a couple of things, right? And then he's like, yeah, this is my guitar. Yeah. I'm going to buy a new one. Do you want to buy this one? And I think I bought it off him for like 80 bucks or something. And that was my first guitar. So that was like a massive... And he used to go to the soccer club at night. Like when we'd all go home, I know, I guess once it got dark, we'd all clear off. But he'd go to the soccer club, break in and plug his amp in, in the change rooms and just play guitar in there. You know? Really, oh my God. Yeah, really late at night. Like he's he's a fucking genius. Really good player. And he had his own band, um, full metal band. I think it was called... Oh, I fucking can't remember now. A real metal name like Death on Command or something like that. It was like heavy riffs and like <laughs> it was really influential at the start. But anyway, I guess I don't know. Do you have a guy like that? That's sort of sometimes it's your it's your guitar teacher, you know. But sometimes it's a kid at school who's just good, you know. And you just yeah. go, yeah, fuck, I can. Yeah. You know. 
for me, it was a kind of a mixture of like, um, yeah, like, you know, me- meeting Chris was yeah. pretty similar to your story about meeting Ben. Yeah. Um, yeah, really similar. Like he was already playing and, you know, he was a year or two kind of along the lot, you know, ahead of me. Yeah, right. Um, and really, you know, so just finding that some, I just started learning and so just finding somebody to kind of jam with who was yeah. a bit better than me. And, yeah. But we're, in, you know, yeah. both d- discovering the same kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But also the other person was was Brett, my older brother, the drummer in Jebs, um, because being three years older, he kind of introduced me. He sort of provided, I guess, that window into a more adult world of... Yeah music in terms of like jamming and maybe even playing gigs yeah. and he was bringing home you know punk music that yeah i wasn't here you know it wasn't getting it wasn't getting played on the radio or whatever so i had no yeah you know back then oh that's awesome um, man yeah you were lucky no access to it so yeah that's sick so yeah it was pretty much a combination of those two but yeah, yeah. i didn't have um I mean, this dude who breaks into the uh change rooms of the <laughs> Lan- club to jam that is Dude, I wish I, I wish I had a fucking photo of the guy right on his, on his fucking, I don't know, that bike. I don't know, like a racer, but with motorbike handlebars. It was like, I don't know, a bastardized motorbike, you know. So this guy pulls up on what, yeah, and he was older and he was cool and he smoked and he had a guitar on his back, you know. And I just thought loose dude, unit, this dude. Sounds like a loose yeah, unit. Yeah, he just had his own way of, he just had his own way of doing shit, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I was scared of him at first, but then when I got to know him, I was like, oh, he's a he's an interesting guy. Like, you know, and he showed me a few riffs and like it was just cool, you know. Tell me about the whole culture um of, you know, get it, you know, because you mentioned skateboarding before as well and yeah, I'm just interested to hear about um how you got into that and what just how that whole culture of like punk music combined with skateboarding. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's a real life it's a real lifestyle thing. Did you how did you kind of get into that, um, and how how much did you get into I, that? I mean, because you run a shop now that's yeah. like you know skate a skate shop and everything. Yeah, so. and it's got a little bit of vinyl and stuff like that. But I mean, I guess it really happened. You know, when it sort of happened in the nineties, and it was like Pennywise on surf videos, and like yeah. that was like the second time it had happened, as far as I'm concerned. Because I remember in the late eighties, it was when Vision Streetwear was kind of big, and skateboarding was having a boom. And it was all yeah. about vert, vert skaters like Tony Hawk and like the Bones Brigade and Neil Blender and, you know, Lance Mountain, all these guys that I idolized. But they all had um, videos that would come out and they all had punk rock on the soundtrack, you know? Yeah. Like there was there was a, um, a, a really important video called Summer Sessions, which came out and it had Eric Grisham skating. And it was from a brand called Shore Grip that's not even around anymore. But the whole soundtrack was a band called TSOL, like a punk band from California. And it was a whole album called change today yeah, wow. and I, I it was the whole album and i fucking loved that album so much that i taped it off the you know off the tv just on a little yeah, press yeah. Plane rec- on a, and i brought it up to the ramp so i could skate with that music you know and i yeah. remember uh you know getting into descendants that way big drill car bad religion suicidal tendencies black flag just because the older kids would always have stereo up at the ramp and would always have like cassettes or whatever and um that's how i discovered punk rock and that's how i just worked out that I wanted to do, you know, try and play that style because it seemed easier than metal because we started off as like a metal sort of band, but that it's really hard to play. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> yeah, totally. So, punk uh, rock is the, one of the beauties of, one of the great joys and beauties of punk rock is how accessible it is, you know? I think that's what yeah. 
what totally. makes it so popular, especially with kids. Um, yeah, because yeah. it's it's you know you can if you can fumble your way around you know two or three um, power chords, then you can start yeah. to play a, you know a Ramones it's song true, though. or whatever. It's true, isn't it? You could teach you know. If you really wanted to, you could probably teach your mum how to play a Ramones song. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, not, it's not that hard. And it's just taking it to the next level and being able to write your own songs and stuff like that. And then, know, and also, too, you run the real risk of your mum then starting a band. And then it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. no, what, have I, what have I done? And then you've got to support, you've got to support your mum's band with your band. It's, <laughs> oh, no. It's real it's weird. The worst, yeah. What have I done? <laughs> Oh, I've really, shit. I've really opened up a fucking can of worms here. <laughs> what have I What's done? Mum, what would, what would, um, what would mum call her uh, rock <laughs> band? I wonder. Oh Jesus! Yeah. Oh, that's something to ponder over. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody has any ideas? You can email me yes. at Bob Evans. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Good Evans What's podcast at uh, gmail yeah, yeah. com. What's yeah, your mum's yeah. punk rock band name? Wipe your feet or, uh, you know. I reckon my mum's punk rock band name would be called something like Fed Up. Um, yeah, oh, that's awesome. You know, just just as a uh, as an expression, just an expression I can remember her yeah, saying, yeah, you know. Yeah. When I, she, I've had enough. When yeah. she was just, yeah, but she just had enough of the bloody kids. <laughs> I'm fed up. Yeah. No, sometimes, yeah, your mum would just get fed up with just being a mum and just being Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I've, just, I've just had enough. Like, I've picked up your <laughs> shit. I've cooked dinner. I've just had enough leave me alone yeah and i fully get that now <laughs> and like maybe like the uh yeah songs like you know the first single by fed up i've had enough i've had enough yeah yeah yeah. um or just and i just had yeah, enough yeah. had enough <laughs> go, go to bed yeah go Clean to your bed room. Clean room. Just <laughs> shit that she's oh mate it's um something in that i reckon <laughs> fed up is a grouse name <laughs> what about what about uh, body jar? Tell me how. So you, you know you met Ben, and I know Ben, you know was in body jar, and uh, yeah, how did how did body jar come to be from uh, from that point in time at high school when you met Ben? I think we met each other and uh, we started jamming, and we had a drummer who, who we lived near too, so we could jam, and we we jam at Ben's parents' house, who let us have a bedroom that we sort of soundproofed, and but at that time we just played covers, so we play like. We just played other people's songs like Ramones, Misfits, that TSOL album I mentioned before, Metallica, The Cult. We had sort of like a horror kind of theme, I reckon. Like we'd write songs about yeah, ghouls right. and ghosts and like killings and all our <laughs> first songs were like kind of like Misfits songs, you know. Uh, yeah, right. And then uh, we thought they were just gods, you know, like, and they just had this mythical thing about them and then... We, we, we would play Descendants as well. Like, I remember doing Coolidge. That was a massive thing for us, like, working out how to play that song. And um, anyway, so that, that kept yeah. going. And then um, then we then we started ringing up pubs and asking if we could play. Like, just ringing up out of the blue. Like, I remember ringing the Bendigo. And they're like, yeah, yeah, you can play Friday night if you want. I'm like, cool, cool. Oh, wow. So, we just come down and, and play. And, like, and that just led to, I think, playing... Oh, yeah, that's right. There was a place in Croydon, which is a suburb... You know, probably it's in the eastern suburbs, pretty far, far away from where I am now. Maybe half an hour's drive. But they had a little all ages scene, so they had a little place you could jam. They had a venue right. called EVs, yeah, and 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 they had um the Hull, which was like a soccer club, another soccer club, and they used to get so if a, if a band was touring, they'd go out there and do a little all ages show usually. So we saw the Meanies, we saw Nursery Crimes out there, 
And then Fagazi played there, man. Oh, wow. Fagazi played there for $5. Oh, my God. With Nursery Crimes. And I remember, and that started a little scene. And then after that, there was like this little Eastern Suburbs hardcore kind of scene, you know? And it was like Aqua Nuggets, Root Beer, Us. Um, it started a little scene, you know? And we had these little bands coming up Bugbears. Um, it's amazing. Uh, Cretton's Puddle. Yeah, this, this little. And then, and then that took off. And then Ray Harvey started doing those all ages shows at the corner, and that fed into that right. a little bit. So. Some some of us would get gigs with Spiderbait or the Meanies or um, Splatterheads when they toured. There would always be a little Elijah show that Ray Harvey would do at yeah, the corner, right. and she'd she'd put on local bands, and then that led to some bands getting signed to, by Shock, and we got signed. And we you know we got some money to do a record, and um and we, luckily we got Descendants guys to produce it. This is when how we were did like that? 17. Yeah, how did you, that come about? Um, because they were touring at the time, and we we luckily we got a show with them. At EVs in Croydon, and um, and then we got signed to Shock, and Shock distributed Descendants and all, and all were coming out for tour. Sorry, and um, and they organised it. They're like, well, we've got this young band we just signed who were just about to do an album. We only had like six songs, like originals. We couldn't. We had to quickly write another six. You know? <laughs> so so because they were only out here for that little amount of time, you know. And I think we only recorded the whole album in like maybe six days. Yeah. You know? right. Yeah. At, at Sing Sing, and and you know it's. It's it's okay, but we probably weren't ready. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's probably about four good songs on the record. We don't even play much off that first record, but you know, I'd maybe play one or two every now and then. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, we were lucky. They we it would have been a lot worse if they didn't produce it. That's what I'm thinking. You know, they, <laughs> so we learned. Uh, yeah, like we were doing vocals with Bill Stevenson. You know, doing vocal takes. He was my guy. He was like an idol. I used to write letters to him. You know. You must uh, have been nervous. Like, we, we must have been pretty nervous. So nervous. So nervous. We used to pick them up, like me and Granto would pick them up in Grant's panel van and they would lie down in the back, you know, because like, because there was no back seats. Yeah, so we yeah. had to pick them up from their hotel and take them to the studio every day, but they'd have to lie down. So they, <laughs> and, uh, oh and they would take it in turns producing. Like one of them would go upstairs and sleep and the other one would produce and then they'd take it in turns, you know. Wow. Until the album was done. Um, but it, t- it taught us a lot about vocal takes and being in tune and, and getting the, the phrasing right because they were nazis about it you know yeah right they'd make you do like every because we had harmonies and stuff and they yeah. would just make us do it until until it was perfect you know what i mean so and i guess this is that sort of race i guess this is back in the day pre pro tools and you would have been recording yeah, to tape and um and uh, you know pre yeah. um you know um what's the uh, auto tune and all that kind of stuff so yeah it was um it was like two-inch two tape, you know. We did the drums yeah. in a big room, then we moved into a little room to do overdubs, and yeah, and it was cool. Like they taught us a lot, um, and they'd recorded, they produced a lot of bands that we were very influenced by. Like Big Drill Car were massive for us. Like Big Drill Car, Descendants, All Doughboys, and they'd done all those albums. They produced those albums as well as producing their own albums. So for me, they were like he was like Brian Wilson for me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, wow. he'd, he'd written all. He'd written Silly Girl and She's My Ex and all, all my favourite songs and he'd produced all these bands that, you know, I couldn't stop listening to. And um, and then we got a chance to work with them and that sort of elevated everything, you know. Mm. That was a massive thing for us. And then they, they also produced our third album as well. Oh, mixed the third album as well. So, yeah, they've had a lot to do with with our band, I guess. You know, we've tried to... When we first started in reviews, I remember we always got called like, oh, they're like the Descendants' little brothers or something, you know. <laughs> and how did someone how did you, someone wrote that? And we were like, oh, that, I was like, that's cool. That's, I was yeah, gonna I'm say, yeah. <laughs> Where was that? Yeah. How did you take that? I'm clearly, it's like, yeah, that's a, it's a compliment. 
<laughs> yeah, massive compliment. You know? Like, cool. What I I asked you uh, in the lead up to this, um, if there were like three songs that you might want to talk about, or did you? Have oh any? yeah, yeah. Have you got oh. three songs, and is are they are they based around a theme at all? Or well, at first I thought oh, my theme could be. <laughs> I was going to pick three songs that have laughs in them because I think that's fucking awesome when awesome. a song has a laugh. I love that. Like um, the, 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 the start of Crazy Train, you know, when he's... And there's another, uh, there's another really good one in uh, My Michelle by Guns N' Roses. All these songs sort of came around the same time for me, you know. I just remember, yeah, this is probably when I first started playing guitar and I'm trying to be metal and, you know, listening to all this heavy stuff. But yeah. Guns N' Roses, like that, that My Michelle and that Guns N' Roses album, that really made me want to play guitar. I was like, well, there's some cool shit on this, you know. So was that, and, off, um, um, and, was that Appetite for Destruction? Yeah, Appetite for Destru- Destruction. I remember... I went away with a friend and we drove to Queensland, man. And that was the only record I had in the car on my mm. Walkman, you know. Mm. So I listened to it back to front. Um, and it's just a cool, you know, it's a, it's a pretty cool album. Even if you don't like hard rock or whatever, it's a bloody volatile, dangerous rock album, whether you like it or not. It, it, it's raw.
got into um I never got into Guns N' Roses Big Time, but I, I yeah. have I have such clear memories of my final year of primary school in 1989, which I think was the year that that record came out, and kids starting yeah. to um, bring to school, you know, cassette recorded cassette, you know, where you a dubbed cassette tape where they've recorded the record. And, yeah, and yeah. It, and it started getting passed <laughs> passed around, you know, um, and, and yeah. And I got my, you know, somebody gave me a copy of it and I took it home to listen to. And, and yeah, it was at that point in my life, you know, I was barely 12 years old. It was by far the most dangerous thing I'd ever heard. Yeah. Um, there was a song, yeah. you know, there's a song called, like it, it was naughty, you know, it was almost <laughs> like, it was. Yeah, yeah. Because there was a song called Ma- about, Mumakin yeah. that starts off where he's like, this is a song about yeah, your yeah. fucking mother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, I just remember oh just going, God. holy shit, man, that, like, as a 12 year old. <laughs> and Mr. Brownstone, you know, it's just a song about heroin, you know. Yeah. Like I remember thinking, I didn't know it was heroin, but I knew it was about drugs or something. And and I just liked how he had three voices. He had his like, well, I got home around that one. Yes. Who's to get up on time? Yeah. And then he's got his kind of like, sweet child of mine, like yes. Janis Joplin. Yeah. And then he's got like his, his screaming banshee that, <laughs> you know, like, he's got that. <laughs> He's got three different fucking voices, his, and they're all well, pretty good. His range. I mean, you know, that's the other thing. I, I, I would never say I'm an Axl Rose fan, but I, credit where credit's due, his range. His, <laughs> his vocal range has got to be massive, Yeah, right? It's oh, got to be as, as he's, he's, Yeah, he's one of the possible. only people that could... Um, he did. He filled in for ACDC or something, I think, and like he'd be one of the only guys that could do it, you know what yeah. I mean? Just those high rock and roll notes, you know. But like I said, like after that album... That was it. Like I didn't. I went and saw them at Calder Raceway when they played, but that did was you? for. Uh, yeah, I did. I saw them, and um, it was raining, and it was like oh, it's another. That's that's just like a gnarly, gnarly day. Yeah, and, I've um, heard. I've heard a lot of stories about that day from people that have been yeah. that went to that gig. It's a pretty famous show, just because apparently it yeah. was just totally chaotic, it, and it was it was out like the forty stick. degree day, and yeah. then it rained. You know, yeah. And uh, and this band called Pearls and Swine played first, and I just remember. I was like, where did this band come from? And they had a song called Where Can I Get Arrested? <laughs> it was like, it was like a funk and metal together at last, you know. And that song was called Where Can I Get Arrested? <laughs> and, uh, and, then the, and then after that, it was Rose Tattoo Man and then Skid Row oh, wow. and then Guns N' Roses. It was, it was bizarre. But uh, anyway, after that, I, n- I never got into the two albums they put out after that. Yeah. Um, use your illusions one and two. I don't know. I just thought that could be one really good album instead of two average well, ones. But, I mean, how many double albums? Know. How many double albums could you say that about? You know, it's a pretty common, oh. pretty common problem. Yeah. Is there is there any really good? Like, what's the best double album ever? Good you know? question. That is a good question. What's you know? the best one? I mean, is there is there one that's that's valid that's actually justifies having twenty songs? Um, well, I mean, look. You know. I, would you? Would, would, does the White Album get get a Guernsey for that? Oh honor? yeah, well, that I mean, would fuck definitely. The White Album would have to be top five. I mean, I, I can't think of any others even. But I'm struggling to think of a better double album. But um, there was there was a um, Siamese Dream. Oh no, there was no. It was uh, Melancholy oh, and Infinite Sadness. But oh, that's right. But that Melancholy. had that I'm had sure some filler in it. Yeah, that had quite a bit of filler. Yeah, yeah. I, I, but sometimes so, I, mean, I think the, it's, it's just like. I feel like some bands panic, like, we're going to break up soon. We better put out as much shit as we can. 
you know, I, like I reckon <laughs> that's that what it sort of felt like. I reckon that, um, especially Pumpkins and, and Guns and Roses with both their double albums, you know, I reckon they kind of just fell into the same, uh, you know, it's almost a cliche of like where they had they, you know, with Appetite for Destruction, Guns and Roses, Siamese Dream for Smashing Pumpkins, they both had these records that were that blew up, you know, and became mainstream su- yeah. successes coming from. The underground, right? All of a sudden, they were selling millions yeah. of copies, and they'd become this arena band. And so they yeah, go into yeah. the studio, and they make, they do what they th- imagine a band is supposed to do when you reach that level. It's like, well, how can we push this even further? Well, let's just make a really, yeah, it's grandiose, and it's um over the, and it's always yeah. overblown and over the top, and they're, yeah, they, there are always, you know, it's. It, you're always going to hear about yeah, it's, people kind of going. That's that's when they lost me. You know, it's like uh, just, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. It's it's like almost suicide, you know. But it's kind of like what rock and roll is all about, though, isn't it? An inflated sense of yourself, sort of thing. You know, yeah. Like, it's almost like that ego ego thing. You know, well, you know. I guess rock bands have that. You know, and that's what it is. It's and the record pop company is probably encouraging it, going, yes, you know, yeah. More because it's more money, isn't it, for them? Really, they, they they see it as their market's there. Let's let's fucking exploit that market, you know. Yeah. So you know, it's it's just bad news all around. Guns and Roses, Appetite Destruction, whatever. I mean, that was cool, but um, and you know, I've always had a soft spot in my heart for for metal, and I think Metallica, uh, Master of Puppets, is 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 just a masterpiece. It's it's probably in my top top eight, top seven. Of all time, and uh, and the rock laugh song Master of Puppets at, at the end with all the laughs. <laughs> okay. Oh, it's a bloody genius. What song? It's genius. What song? Master at the actual title track. Master oh, of okay, gotcha. <laughs> Yeah, so, and it's such a goddamn, like, there's 50 different riffs in that song, you know? And at the time, I thought that was excellence, you know? But the way they, they put them all together, it's pretty good, man. It's 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 kind of a warm-sounding 
metal album, if that makes sense. It sounds yeah. really analog and really, really sort of, it's not dry. It's not like a Pantera kind of. Yeah. It's got a warm sort of heavy, like heavy hard rock sort of sound, but it's the riffs are really good. It's Well, that's what I always really liked about Black Sabbath. Like, yeah, exactly. I, I, I never, yeah. I, I've never really, I've never gotten into really heavy music. I mean, like when I was sort of a teenager, you know, just getting into like grunge and indie rock and stuff. Yeah. The heaviest band I really got into, got into was probably like Soundgarden or something like that. But yeah. um, I really loved, really loved Black Black Sabbath um, because yes, they've got it's like it's heavy music, but the production is so warm. Yeah, um, it's just. Yeah, I guess that just appeals more to my ear a little bit more yeah. than, um, than than that that more kind of modern yeah that harsh kind sounding of metal like, stuff. Yeah, I know what you mean. It got and it, it, it's it probably started with Pantera, I reckon, when it got really dry, like kick, clicky sort of kick drums and really dry yeah. guitars. But yeah, I guess that, just trying to push push things to be more extreme or yeah, more aggressive. Yeah, yeah, that's totally. Where it, where it took them. You yeah, know. but um, yeah, you're right. I mean, the, the tones on, you know, the first Black Sabbath album. I mean, all of them really, but it's got that, like, Neve desk. You can hear it, and the guitar tones sound a bit mm. like bridge pickup kind of vibe. I mean, um, neck pickup kind of vibe, don't they? Like, fuzz, mm. almost fuzzy. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's all about tone, I guess. But what um, What is it about the laugh in the song? It's so funny that you should come up with this, right? Because just the other day, I was listening to a podcast by, um, you know, Saya who plays in Regurgitator, and she used to play in a band called Seconden. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, she she does a podcast, a similar thing to this. Um, and she, I was listening to an episode with her just the other day, and they were talking about laughs in uh, songs that have, like, little laughs in them. Oh, yeah. And, um, <laughs> um, <coughs> and so it's so funny that we're talking about that. And this as well. The ones that spring to mind for me, yeah, are um, uh, on uh, Maxwell Silver Hammer by the Beatles. Paul McCartney oh, yeah. does a little laugh while he's saying, um, uh, "Writing sixty times." Oh yeah, this. he just kind of laugh, laughs his way through one of those lines. Oh <laughs> yeah, that's that's and, awesome. Um, and another one that I can remember, which I, which in my head I think McCartney was probably copying um was david bowie the laughing gnome oh yeah you know the laughing gnome by david bowie yes <laughs> yeah that's I'm the right. laughing gnome and you yeah. can't catch me. <laughs> he's actually got that oh, it's not spontaneous it's part that. of the bloody chorus ha 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 yeah yeah that's true yeah, <laughs> yeah it's good um so yeah so what is it about the laugh in the song that uh, i don't know it's not really it's just I guess it comes from it comes from uh, Ross Hetherington, our, our original drummer, um, you know, who I'm still really good mates with and everything. Um, he used to make these little playlists, like mixtapes for the van and stuff, and he, he'd do like, okay, this one's just all songs that have count-ins, like one, two, three, four, you right. know, or, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this, yeah. This, or this one is all female artists, or this one is all, you know, rock laughs, or he always had a theme <laughs> and a, and a awesome. funny name. He always had like it was called like ham sandwich or something like that, the compilation, <laughs> or or it was like you know, he just had a funny name, and he, yeah. I, I used to love how he, he went out of his way the night before we'd leave for tour to make this tape, you know, like, <laughs> and so, uh, cool. so when when you asked me about it, I thought, well, that reminds me of that sort of the heritage of the band, so that's as good as anything. I was going to say at first, I'll just do the three songs that sort of influenced the band the most or influenced me the most, but that's boring. No, this is a. So, no, um, I, I like this theme, but I mean, the thing is, though, like 
you've still within that theme of songs with laughs in them you've still chosen uh you know three bands or three types yeah. of music yeah. that have probably been massively influential <laughs> yeah well that's true i mean yeah I've, I've tried to keep it in i guess that's the music you listen to isn't it but um mm. there's there's tons of rock laughs that are in shit songs as well like whitney houston and you know oh, ah. it's just What's I'm gonna the, I'm gonna do a. <laughs> What's the one you can think of? What are some of the shit ones? Oh, that's you can think that's. Of? Oh, that Whitney Houston song fucking drives me crazy. If you hear it at a party <laughs> or something. Uh, don't you want to dance? See, you want to dance? Don't you uh, want to dance? Dance with somebody. Yeah. Oh, I want to dance with somebody. Yeah, yeah. She does this laugh. She just goes <laughs> in one of the, like right, right before she goes whoa 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 like. like <laughs> It's just really fucking cheesy. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, you know. Would you ever try and uh, throw in a little bit of a rock laugh in a song? And, and, and if I'm you did, one. how would you do it? <laughs> I'll try and put one on this next album, I reckon. Um, it'll just be like, I reckon we couldn't put it in the song. It just, you'd have yeah. to put it just at the end. At the outro, like, yeah. You know, you have, yeah, you know, the outro or something. You know, you have a little bit of banter sometimes. Yeah, like, yeah. And you just chuck you know, it in. That's what a laugh. That's what yeah. Jebs have done. We've got a. I hadn't thought about this until just now, but um, I realised we do have a song that, that qualifies for this, but kind of yeah. barely, barely, because yeah. it's basically it's it's right at the end of a song off um, our last album, Kosciuszko, and the very opening track. And this this song it goes for like about seven or eight minutes, or the outro goes for like minutes, right? It's really really long, yeah, right, really, really yeah. um, silly, and. One of the things in the track I'm recording, I'm just like singing and yelling into the pickups of a guitar. And, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And just doing stupid shit, right? And 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 it's cool. There's a bit of it where I'm just laughing into it because probably just yeah. because just <laughs> laughing at how stupid yeah. it, the whole thing is. And um, so we kept that in, and so you can just hear it right at the end of the song. Yeah. <laughs> so it's going. What, what, what's like, the name of the? Oh, it's um, it's a song called "Lost My Nerve." It's a, yeah, first song okay. called Oscar. but um, but yeah, it's 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 not the same as laughing in the song or laughing while you're singing a line yeah. or a yeah, yeah. like that. That's 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 kind of next it's level. It's cheeky. It's Very cheeky. cheeky. You need to have the you need to have like the right subject matter. Like it's menacing. It has to be something you know in the lyrics that that makes the song menacing or something and you can sort of give it a bit of ha 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 you know like a <laughs> I don't know it's just it's not our vibe but like we just don't have that you know we, we don't have that vibe <laughs> or if you're doing have you ever done a song have you ever done a song that's just like purposely just silly oh yeah oh. for sure I mean I mean we've got Buns of Steel it's a bonus track at the end of Bonshot and, <laughs> and we all <laughs> we all swap instruments and Ross sings it and it's about an aerobics video, you know, and it's, 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 it's called Buns of Steel and Ross is singing about how this chick can, she can shuffle a deck of cards with her ass, you know, like she's, her ass, her ass is so developed from doing this, this Buns of Steel video. Um, yeah, that it, that, yeah, that's what it's about. So yeah, okay. we've got silly songs. We've got tons of that, that sort of shit. Yeah. This is a bonus track on, um, Rimshot. It's like, it's not even listed. It. So I'm playing drums on it. It's, it's terrible, like recording. Um, but he's got this other song called "The Song." The song Ramones the same that Ross sings as well, and another <laughs> and another one called Vaughn that Ross sung. It was funny. 
Because he okay. has a really nasally voice. <laughs> you got to do that. <laughs> like that's, that, that's how he sings. I thought it was cool because he'd get up the front. I remember once. He's like he your used, Ringo. He used to do it live. Ringo, Ringo Starr. No, nah, oh. oh, yeah, kind of. But he, he used to get up the front, like get from behind the kit and I'd get behind the kit and he'd be like, to the audience, he'd be like, okay, I'm going to have a, a riff competition. You've got to guess this riff. And he'd be like, da, 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 da. And they'd be like, oh, in excess. That's in excess. He'd be like, yeah. And he'd do a couple more. And then he'd be like, what about da na 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 da na 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 And he'd just do it for ages and no one would know what it was. And he'd be like, that's just one of my-. He'd be like, that's one of my own. He <laughs> 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 oh, gave him an excuse to sort of get out there, be, be Ross. You know. Be a comic. Yeah, a bit of, bit of uh, stand-up. <laughs> Bit of comedy. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right, mate. Look, um, right. we might uh, wrap it up because uh, you've been very generous with your time. We've been uh, talking for over an hour. Um, so thank you so yeah, much, right. Cam, for for doing this. Oh, no worries, man. Thank you for. And yeah, hopefully, um, hopefully we'll um, we'll get to share the stage again at, uh, this year. I'm not sure what stuff uh, you guys have coming yeah. up or yeah. we have coming up, but I've I've got a feeling there might be something. <laughs> Yeah, I think we, we'll, we'll cross yeah. paths again shortly, hopefully. So, um, yeah, best of luck with everything, thanks, man. Um, thanks a lot for the for, for having me on it. Pleasure. Thanks for agreeing to be on it. No worries, man. I'll, um, I'll chat soon. And um, just to help sort of line it up, we'll just do a little, uh, we'll, we'll yep. count to three and clap. So um, maybe we'll okay. clap on clap on three, okay? Three. One, two, <laughs> three. Mate. <laughs> Matt, Matt, I think that was a massive delay there. Let's right. try it again. We'll try it three. again. Ready? Three. One, two. <laughs> <laughs> It's so weird, like why there's such a big delay because the there's delay no delay like, in the yeah, audio. Maybe we'll go on five. Well, maybe there is one, two, three, four, <laughs> five. <laughs> you went on six. That was okay, cool. that totally worked. Sweet. That totally worked. Well done. <laughs>